Welcome to Faith That Works in Real Life, the weekly sermon podcast produced by Messiah Lutheran Church in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Let's get started. I always love it when, um, when we talk about sharing Jesus with others. I know that some people start to sweat immediately. They're like, oh, what is pastor going to say? What is he going to say that we have to do, right? So I know that there's some people right now that are like, ah, maybe we should have stayed in in the cold today. But, but first I want to tell you about the most amazing meal I've ever eaten in my life. So I'm a full-time vegetarian and a part-time vegan, and so there are meals that, like, sometimes you expect to be good. And before I became a vegetarian, like, I always expected a bacon cheeseburger to be good. Anybody with me? Like, still today, like, if I have one regret about being, being a vegetarian, it means no bacon, right? So I, I could always, that was always the go-to. It was like a bacon cheeseburger, so, so good. But other times, like the best thing that you ever taste comes from an unexpected place. And recently, I had the best meal that I've ever had. And the best bite of that meal came in the most unexpected part of that. So um, one of my favorite restaurants in town is uh, Junk Ditch. Anybody been there? Junk Ditch? Yeah. Great, great place. Wonderful food. And once a month on Mondays, when they're normally closed, they do a tasting menu. And so you go pay way too much money, and you get to go through this five-course meal, and they, they take you through this, and there's always a theme, and it's just this thing that every bite is so delicious. And a couple of months ago, Michelle and I went for the first time, and one of the bites in that meal was so unexpected, but so incredible. I have a picture of it that um, we're going to put up on the screen. That's it right there. It was this cold soup, which sounds terrible on a day like today, right? It was a cold soup, but it wasn't even, the soup was amazing, but it wasn't the soup that was the best bite. That little dot in the middle is half of a grape, and I'm telling you, that grape is the best thing that I have ever eaten in my life. You think I'm kidding. I'm serious. And what made that grape special is that it was a smoked grape, right? I mean, Michelle can testify. This was like, honestly, like incredible. And so I have made it my mission in life, as strange as it might sound, to tell everybody that you have to try smoked grapes. They are so good. So next time, like if if you have the smoker and you're doing some ribs, throw some grapes in there, right? So good. That bite changed my life. (laughs) I've also had some meals that are pretty terrible, and I've told lots of people about those too. Like, when I was in college, I went to Applebee's, and I I ordered some fried chicken tenders, you know, like a pretty staple thing, and I bit in, and it was completely raw. Like crispy on the outside, raw on the inside. And I think I've only ever been to Applebee's one more time in my life, and it was against my will. So not a big fan of Applebee's, and I've kind of made it my point to tell people how terrible Applebee's is. I don't care if they have half-price appetizers. It's not good, right? So there's this thing that keeps us from sharing what is good. With that said, I want to read our gospel for today. This is from John 1, 43 through 51. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote. Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth, 
Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said of him, here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael asked him, where did you get to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered, do you believe because I, saw, I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. So there is something that happens in us. Like when we have a positive experience or a negative experience, we tell other people about it. And I looked up some stats, and you can trust that these are true because I found them on the internet. So on the internet, it says that 95% of all people will share their bad experiences with other people. And then if we break that down further, it says that 54% of that 95% will share their bad experience with five or more people. And typically, the numbers are much higher, like between 9 and 15 people. So like when you eat a raw chicken tender at Applebee's, you tell everyone, right? And then the numbers are pretty high for good experiences, too. 87% of people, when they have a good experience, will share that experience with someone else. And only 33% of that, though, when we break it down a little bit further, only 33% of those same people will share it five or more times. So there's something in us that is less eager sometimes to share what is good than what is negative. And I wonder if that's something that is worth us paying attention to. I wonder if because our slant is often so negative, if maybe we have to practice more intently sharing what is good and inviting other people to experience it with us. For Michelle and I, after we ate that incredible meal at Junk Ditch, one of the very first things that we did was we told our friends about it, and we invited some to join us at the next time that we went. We went the very next month, and it was an amazing meal once again. There was no smoked grape. It was still pretty life-changing. It was still incredible. But in some ways, even though that one bite wasn't there, the meal was better because it was shared with friends. People that we cared about got to share in the experience with us. And we can't wait to invite others to join us in future meals ahead. It's amazing what happens. It's amazing how even something becomes even better when we share it with people who we care about and love. And so in our text today, Philip meets and begins to follow Jesus. And that's the best thing ever. Like if we disagree about everything else, can we agree that following Jesus is the best thing ever? You're supposed to nod and say yes and maybe say amen, right? Okay, I know we're Lutheran, but like, well, come on, people. We got this. So following Jesus, just trust me on this one. If you don't believe it yet, hopefully you'll believe it soon. Following Jesus is the best thing ever. Thank you. That was my wife, ladies and gentlemen. And it's so good that there's something that stirs in us that encourages us to tell other people about it as well. And so in our text today, Philip meets and begins to follow Jesus, which is the best thing ever, and following Jesus is so good that he goes and he tells his friend Nathaniel. He tells him all about it when he sees it. 
But here's what I want us to notice in this telling. Look how he does it. All that he does, he says, come and see. That simple, come and see. And if we look close, like if we look at the text before this text, we start to see a pattern that emerges here, and we also see it throughout the Gospels as Jesus' disciples go out and they try to make more disciples. And it's this pattern of come and see and follow me. And so just to give you a little bit of background, like in the text leading up to this one, it's another text with John the Baptist. We talked about John the Baptist last week. And in John's gospel, Jesus approaches and John proclaims, look, here is the Lamb of God. And that's very much a, a, a look at this, come and see kind of statement. And from that, two of John's disciples follow Jesus. And I'm not sure they know why they follow Jesus at this point, other than it seems like that's what John was encouraging them to do. John said, look, another way of saying come and see, and they did, and they followed Jesus. And when Jesus asked them, what are you looking for? They respond um, with like kind of an awkward question. I mean, if Jesus asked you, what are you looking for? Think of all of the different ways that you might respond. Think of all of the questions that stir in us and what we're looking for as people in this life. Imagine the kind of things that we could ask. I mean, they could have said, like, we're looking for the Messiah. We're looking for abundant life. We're looking for freedom. We're looking for love in all the wrong places. But instead, they asked Jesus, where are you staying? It's kind of a weird and awkward question, right? But I think it was because even in this beginning steps of following, they had no idea really what they were looking for or who they were with. And how does Jesus respond to them, even in their searching, even in their lack of a good question to ask? The same way that Philip responds to Nathaniel, come and see. Faith That Works in Real Life is brought to you by Messiah Lutheran Church in Fort Wayne, Indiana. To learn more about how to connect with our church community, please visit messiahlc.com. Let's get back to the message. He doesn't break into some theological discourse. He doesn't say, watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat and do some miracle or trick. He doesn't present a cleverly calculated evangelism strategy. He just says, come and see. And they do, and their lives were never the same from that moment forward. And the way that John tells this story in the Gospels, he tells it very quickly. It's like all of a sudden Jesus decided it was time to put the team together, and so he went out and he grabbed some disciples and got busy. But I imagine, in truth, it probably took a little bit more time than that. Regardless, two of John's disciples, one who is unnamed and the other we know is Andrew, followed Jesus. And Andrew, whether it happened in a short walk out of the woods, or whether it was over a longer period of time of getting to know Jesus and seeing who Jesus is and learning more and more what he could do and what he was about. Andrew and the other disciple determined that Jesus was worth following, that he was the Messiah, and that he was good. So Andrew went and found Peter, and he brought him to Jesus, and he invited him to come and see for himself. And then Peter followed Jesus too. And then in our text for today, what happens? Jesus finds Philip and he says, follow me, and he does. And then Philip goes to Nathaniel, whose response is much like the person on Facebook when I made a post about smoked grapes, like talking about today's sermon, said, I'm so sorry, but who looks at a menu and says, I'll have a smoked grape? Nathaniel's response was skeptical. 
When Philip told Nathanael about Jesus, Nathanael responded, can anything good come from Nazareth? But Philip doesn't argue or insult. He doesn't break into theological discourse. He doesn't say, watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat and do some miracle or trick. He doesn't present a cleverly calculated evangelism strategy. He does the same thing that he had seen Jesus do before. He invites Nathaniel to come and see. And he does. And Nathaniel's life was never the same. And do you see it? Do you see the pattern? Man, we can overcomplicate this sometimes, can't we? There are libraries that are filled with volume after volume after volume of books on evangelism. And a quick search on Amazon brings up more than 50,000 titles when you just type in the word evangelism. And I am certain that they're worth reading. I'm certain that there's lots of valuable information and strategies in these books. But so much of what they all come down to is simply this. Come and see. Follow me. Here's where I think we really need to pay attention. What did Andrew, the other of John's disciples, Peter, Philip, and Nathaniel see when they were invited to come? What did they see? It actually isn't a what, it's a who. They saw Jesus. And I know that that sounds like the easy children's sermon answer, but we lose something when we stray too far from a childlike faith. Because that's all that Philip does. He simply invites the skeptical Nathaniel to come and see Jesus. He invites him to share in the experience of walking with Jesus, an experience that he has found to be good, so good that he can't help but share. And Nathaniel sees for himself, and then he hears and responds to Jesus' invitation to follow, and his life is never the same, because good things happen when they follow Jesus, right? Good things happen when we meet and follow Jesus. And so what is it that happened when Nathaniel met him? What did he see when he got there? Verse 47, it says, When Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him, he said of him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathaniel asked him, Where did you get to know me? And Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. To me, it sounds like when Nathaniel met Jesus, He felt seen and known and loved because his immediate response was, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And I wonder if there is something that we can learn from that. And unfortunately, Jesus isn't hanging out in my office just down the hall, like not in physical form. I can't just take you down the hall to meet him like Philip did Nathaniel. But instead, we, you and me, may be the only Jesus that some people ever see. And I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying. I am not saying that I am Jesus. Far from it. I'm not saying that you are Jesus. I'm not saying that Pastor Tim is Jesus. I'm not saying that we should be. But Jesus does live in you and me. Jesus lives in his followers. Jesus expresses himself in and through his followers. And so the way that we live and love and serve one another, it matters because it's the only Jesus that some people are ever going to see. And while Jesus isn't hanging around in physical form down down the hall in my office, Jesus is here in this house, living, breathing, and stirring, and moving in and among his followers. 
And he's in other places too. But this is why we exist as a church. The reason that we come together week after week after week is so that people can come and see Jesus. So that they can come and know Jesus. So that they can grow a faith that works in real life. So when people come to this church, Jesus is who we want them to see. It's not about the music. We have a brand new organ. It's not about the organ. It's not about the building. Pastor Tim is amazing, but it's not about Pastor Tim. I'm okay, but it's not about me. It's about Jesus. When people come to this church, who we want them to see, who we want them to meet, who we want them to encounter is Jesus, period. And even more, when the people of Messiah Lutheran Church walk outside these doors into the frigid cold air of Fort Wayne, Indiana on January 14th, 2024, into the neighborhoods and communities that surround us, we want people to see Jesus in and through how we live, love, and serve one another. We want to actively participate in the greater things that Jesus promised Nathaniel that he would see. But it's so easy for us to become complacent. It's so easy for us to become cynical. It's so easy to focus on the negative. And it's so easy to think that the work of invitation is someone else's job. But it's not. It's our job together. And friends, let me bear witness. I have seen Jesus. I have seen Jesus in the most expected places, the places where we anticipate that Jesus would be, in those exciting and joyous ways. But I've also seen Jesus in some of the darkest, most horrendous, most horrific places that you could ever imagine, places that I would never even talk about because I don't have words to describe. And as difficult as it is to understand, from the four years that I spent working as a hospital chaplain, I consider that to be the greatest gift that I received in that time, that I got to see Jesus in the darkest and most awful places. Amid all the sickness and trauma and death that I saw, I also saw Jesus alive and well, comforting people, healing people, and bringing peace. I had a front row seat to see Jesus at work, even in those unexpected places and in unexpected ways. And so with every ounce of my being, I believe that there is no place and no people who have been forgotten, forsaken, or abandoned by Jesus. Jesus sees and knows and loves us all, just like he saw and knew and loved Nathaniel that day. And that same Jesus is here, in this place. So who can we invite to come and see? There is a world of people outside of our door who are stuck in the negative, who believe that life is just something that they have to endure. There's a world of people who have lost sight of all hope. There's a world of people who feel unseen and forgotten, left out and excluded because of their social status, their sexuality, their race, their gender identity, or whatever it is. There are people who the church has done more harm to than good. So friends, we have work to do. Every opportunity we have, we want to draw attention to Jesus so others can come and see, to hear the invitation to follow so that their lives can be changed because following Jesus is the best thing ever, right? 
And this is why we gather each week, to hear the good news of Jesus, to be strengthened by it, to be renewed by it, to see and experience the presence of Jesus, to be changed, strengthened, and equipped by Jesus to go forth and participate with Jesus in the renewal of all things. And what a gift it is to be able to gather in this way to do so. I mean, do you remember in our not-so-distant past when we, were, we couldn't? It wasn't that long ago when we could not gather in this space in the way that we do. It's a gift to be able to be together in this way. And so, friends, let's commit ourselves to telling people about the smoked grape, to telling people about the incredible meal, and invite them to savor the next one with us. Who can we invite to come and see Jesus? Who can you walk alongside as they hear and respond to Jesus' invitation to follow? There is good news to be shared. There is new life to be lived. There is healing. There is compassion. There is hope. There is comfort and peace to be found. Let's not keep it to ourselves. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks. Thank you for your presence with us here in this place, outside of these doors, wherever we go. Thank you for walking with us. Help us to become more and more aware with each step that you are with us and that you are good. So God, I pray that you would stir in us hope. I pray that you would stir in us compassion for our neighbor. I pray that you would stir in us in such a way that we can't help but share the good news. That we can't help but share how good you are. Because you love us. You know us. You see us. You free us. God, strengthen us for the journey ahead. Thank you for the ways, the many ways that you make your presence known. May we join you in the renewal of all things here and now, beginning in these moments. May we have the courage and faith to invite others to come and see. We pray this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is the end of our podcast. Thank you for listening to Faith That Works in Real Life a podcast produced by Messiah Lutheran Church in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Please follow us on social media and listen to our podcast on your favorite platform.